everyone, and welcome to this conversation presented by White House Custom Color. I'm Jed Toffer. Thanks for listening. You know, my wife Vicki and I have owned and operated our photography studio, V Gallery, for 20 years now. White House has been our lab for the last 16 of those years, and we could not be happier. White House is a family-run business, just like ours. If you haven't already, check them out at whcc.com. And if you want to drop me a line, feel free to email me at jed at whcc.com. We talked for Portrait Masters, and and I shut it down, and you were like ready to keep going, but I was like, no, we gotta, we gotta. Yeah, I had a blast with you. Like I've been doing a lot of these, and they're not as entertaining as it is with you, so I'm ready. Are okay, you do a lot of these? I do a lot of yeah. I was on one yesterday. I got one after you. You do? Who who? What do people yeah. talk to you about? All sorts of stuff. The human face. What people do with their face. How it looks. How it behaves. I mean, I'm a, you know, I'm a physiognomist, so I utilize that to my best advantage. A what? Physiognomist. Study the, that, the human face and how expressions uh, create the personality that you that's get. That's a real thing? Physiognomist? Physiognomy, yeah. Okay. All right. Yeah. I'm rolling with it. I'm self-proclaimed, well, but I'm taking it. <laughs> you don't have a degree in physiognomy? No, I mean, it's just... just trial and error and, and uh, years of photographing people in the face. <laughs> you have a lot of uh, real world experience. Tell me this then. I, I'm intrigued. Since you do a lot of these, and I, I absolutely believe that you do do a lot of these, what is it that you want to talk about that people don't ask you about? So everyone's always asking you about mm. faces and how to light something and mm. You know, like, don't you want to talk about anything other than physiognomy and, and lighting and, and shooting headshots? I mean, you're, I the, you're the headshot guru. I get that. But don't you, yeah. isn't there more to Peter, Peter, isn't there more to Peter Hurley than headshots? I would say, yes, there is. Yes. Yes, there is. But I, I, yeah, I mean, I like talking about headshots. I have no problem with that. I think that the, the major thing whenever you get asked to do something like this is like what do people want to hear from me like i think everybody has a little bit of what the heck could i say that they're going to get anything out of it so i'm always trying to my thing is to inspire and i'm very into laying people on people what i'm up to to become a better human so that i'm accountable because i like put it out there publicly all the time like what and, what are you uh, what are you up to what are you up to to become a better human. Like procrastination was a big problem. So I told everybody that I went on, I'll go on Instagram. I do this thing called wake up and goals where I wake up and I, like I say, I got to get going and I got to start. What's my goal for the day? Well, my goal for the day was to get a bunch of stuff done and be more productive. So I put it out there to the world through my Instagram or through the headshot crew. When I have these webinars called crew cast and I'm on zoom yeah. for hours at a time. I'll tell everybody, okay, this is what my plan is. This is what my goal is. This is what I'm doing. And I do this thing called the success track, which has a, it's weekly wisdom. So we do it on Wednesdays. It's um, and, and I talk about something that's going on in my life that I, and I leverage that to make myself accountable. Cause if I put it out there, I don't want to look like a fool if I don't do it. So I usually just utilize it for myself. So and then everybody benefits because they're listening to this thing. Like for instance, I've been doing these 30 day challenges with my uh, physique. I've been trying to get in shape and I've been 
like trying to kind of see how much willpower I have. So 30 days is enough time to figure this out. So each, and I have a buddy that I do this with, so it makes it easier, but I put it out there publicly so I don't screw it up. So for instance, the first month we did it, we just were like, let's try and not eat red meat for a month. Let's do no alcohol, no red meat. Let's stretch every day for 15 minutes. We'll do abs, abs every day, 50 reps and meditate every day for 15 minutes. So we did that for 30 days and I made it and I was like, whoa, but I had to put it out there. If I didn't put it out there, then I might not, if nobody knew, maybe I wouldn't make it. So, you know? so in, 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 let me, let me see if I got this straight. It's a big motivator for you. That accountability piece is a big motivator for you because you care to some degree what people what others, think of you. Yeah. In terms of decision-making. Yeah. Yeah. In terms of some things I don't care, but uh, in this, I, I want to, you know, walk my walk and talk my talk. If I say I'm going to do something, I do it. So I put it out there. What do you not care about? If somebody doesn't care that <laughs> whether I'm doing that or not, like I don't, I don't really, I try not to uh, put too much weight on others that aren't getting good results. Like if somebody's opinion of, my, of something I'm doing isn't good, I always look at their results and I'm like, well, why would I listen to that person or care what I that see. person did? You know? They don't so have any like, credibility you, to be critiquing you. Yeah, you got to walk your walk for me to care about what you're saying to me. And I and I and I I think we're all trying to become better humans. I don't think you go on day by day just being like I'm going to be the same human I was. I think you try to be a different, better, more interesting human. And and I think you know you become more aware of yourself as you grow and change anyway. So I turned 50. I guess there's this 50 don't ah, give a shit oh. <laughs> as much about things mentality that happens. I don't know. I haven't really, I don't know. I turned 50. Well, it's like, interesting okay, that you well. say that. I'm 45, right? Oh, yeah. My wife has been saying over and over recently, maybe even more so this year, and probably because of lots of reasons that I'm becoming a grumpy old man. Oh, boy. Well, and is this true? I think so, but I in, would like on a daily basis or in certain scenarios. I would like, I would hope it's certain scenarios. It's I, and for me, it's because I just don't have, I feel like I have less time now more than ever for what I consider BS, right? If it's, oh, yeah, if I consider something, if something's below me, yeah, what? You've got a meter that's just like way really sensitive now as to before you would let it slide, but now you just, this is not flying. I, I don't let a lot slide. I don't. If, if, I, if I see it, I call it out more and I'm just like, eh, that's not true. Or what do you, who do you think you are? Whatever. And, and I, it gets me in a lot of trouble. Well, I love it. You have no filter when you feel that? You oh, feel I it coming and you hit them with it. <laughs> I have a filter. It's just um, a weak filter. Like some yeah. of the, you know, some of my thoughts get filtered out quite a bit, but I'm, it's just, I'm feeling more and more free to express my opinion about things when I feel like something's off. Wow. I don't like well, the BS. Isn't that, is that, is that not what you were getting at? You're 50 years old now. And so things are different. 
because you're 50? Something happens I, when you're 50? I think, well, that's a mentality. Like, I don't know. I didn't expect anything particular to happen. But I'm like, I guess mentally there is some worth to that and everybody takes it differently. All right. Well, so here, here's my first big official, uh, official question for you. And you kind of alluded to this already because you seem really busy and very active. And I, want, I just kind of wanted to catch up and know what in the world's going on in your world right now. Like what's happening right now with you? I mean, it's funny that not much is happening, but everything's happening. So for some reason, even during a pandemic, like it's slow, like I really shot, it's October 22nd. I've shot one person this month and I'm a photographer. Like, that's what I do for a living. Like, that's why I have a studio. Now, that being said, I'm coaching the headshot crew. I just had a student in here that was shooting two headshots with my makeup artist, and I was coaching them through the process for the last, you know, four hours or whatever. Oh. So I'm doing stuff. It's just, you know, my assistant is shooting up the wazoo. She shoots at a lower price point than me. So maybe that's it. I'm like, okay, it's COVID. Maybe people are not willing to. Yeah pay an extra pretty penny for Peter yeah. Hurley pictures. Who yeah. knows? Um, or maybe it's just that I'm trying, I I'm trying, and I think we should all be doing this now, trying to figure out what is the new, new thing or what, what's our life, what are our lives going to be like? And what business model are we going to have coming out of this thing? You know, and if you're a photographer, it's changed for a lot of people, you know, obviously I just shot the giants game over the weekend and there were like, I'm serious. There was nobody in the stadium. I got invited and there were maybe 12 photographers, including me and the, my friend that who invited me, I went with, and we were in the stands, couldn't be on the field and it was empty. I mean, it was weird. That's a it strange experience. Sur it was yeah. surreal. And my picture sucked because I couldn't run from one end of the field to the other and get anything. But, that's good, so not the new, but you don't want to label that the new normal, right? That's the, that's the anomaly. That's not how things No, are. I think it's, I go thought it was me. cool just to capture now because I think it's going to be gone and go back. But I think right. there are things that maybe won't go back right away. I don't know. I think that all of us, back to the point, the point is, is that you got to be moving and shaking. You got to figure out what you're, what, what can you make money at? Like anything. Mm. And if you're a photographer, what are you going to put in front of your camera to get paid for? What, what is that? Mm -hmm. You know, and for me, I've always been entrepreneurial. So I have a bunch of sources of income and I'm like, okay, which one do I work? What do I work on? Now, what's the, what's the thing that's going to allow me to keep this studio when other photographers are shutting studios down and, and right. uh, you know, right. landlords are going crazy and it's, you know, it's New York City and it's, you know, all that stuff. So how do you, like, this is my workplace. It's, yeah, I do shoot in here, but I'm two blocks from my apartment and I can't, there's, I have, there's like, I couldn't shut this down, you know, I, right. so I've got to figure out how to sustain it if I'm not taking pictures. So there's all sorts of things to, to do. And I, do I think it's going to come back? Yes. Do I know when? No. You know, sure. and um, fortunately um, I've been doing okay with other stuff that I can, I can make it through and my landlord's really cool. So, so far so good, but um, you know, who knows? So it's just about that. It's like, okay, I'm not shooting today. I'm going to coach today. So I, you know, and, and I started doing my workshops again I did a workshop in here that was great, but you're doing the workshop and there's a bunch of people in here and I'm like, I, I kept it to less than 10 students. Yeah. But still it's like, 
I wore my wet mask. I was like, if you guys get within six feet of me, put your mask on. If not, and then by the third day, we're all like together the whole time. And we're all like, you know, it just, you know, you just not, if you're together for hours, how much mask wearing can you do? Right. Right, right, right. <laughs> like, what are we doing? Everybody's fine. I got tested and stuff, but you know, it, it is what it, you worry about that kind of stuff now. So who knows? So, you know, I've just been trying to figure out what, what am I going to do coming out of this? So you asked me how busy am I? I'm not busy shooting. You, you would think, and the income. So I would think I would have all this time, but I don't, I wake I woke up at eight, like seven in the morning yesterday. And I went to bed at like, like midnight. And I can't remember stopping throughout the day with everything that was going on. And I had so much to do and I still didn't get everything done that I woke up this morning. I was making phone calls and sending emails that should have happened yesterday. So mm -hmm. I don't, I don't, I don't know, but I'll tell you one thing. I don't know about you, but I'm not good being a bump on a log. I like lose my mind. And to me, this isn't work. So I, I, I'm not working ever. I love it. I'll talk to people. I'll coach people. I'll get on a whatever. I'm not, I don't feel like I'm working. I don't feel like it's work. I love it. You know, a lot of the people that I talk to or consult with, or that I have over the years, workshops or consultations or whatever. A lot of times I, you, I, I, I meet with people who are stuck, right? And I, I generally narrow it down to one question that I ask them and I, they, get, they get stuck and, they're, and they can't move and they don't know which way to go or what to do next. And I say to them, what do you want? And we kind of start at, the, like start at the bottom of the barrel, right? The foundation. But I was, it occurred to me that I, I generally don't ask that question very often to people that seem like they have everything they want to people that seem like they've got everything together. Like you're in a situation right now, like to me, you got a lot going on, right? You're not stuck to just photographing in that studio. You have all these different rev revenue streams and all these things that you're managing. You're very entrepreneurial. You're very active. You're very energetic. What do you want though? What do you want? Well, I think the first thing is, uh, what, at least what this has done for me is I've looked back and been a lot more grateful of all that stuff that I had or have, you know. So I was like, what I want is to obviously get back to where I was. A lot of it is dependent upon, you know, raising kids in New York City and putting them through mm -hmm. college. So I was like, all right, I need some cash flow. Um, so a lot of my goals are, are monetary based. But um you know, and also getting back, like pulling off what I did with a camera. Like I couldn't even believe, like if you, if I'd gone back and told the dude that picked up the camera when he was 30, that when he's 50, he's going to be here. I would, that, it would just be crazy. So for me, I'm very grateful for that. So what do I want? What do I want more? I was like, I did almost everything that I wanted to do. There's some things that I wasn't able to do because, um, there was a threshold of cash flow that you have to get through to do the things that I, that I've, you know, kind of wanted to do in my life. So that are, those are some of the things that I would like to do down the road once I figure out what it is that I want to do. And, and the main thing for me, I guess right now, which I've been doing is moving, not moving out of photography, but adding, um, you know, things to what I'm doing that are not photography based, which is really cool. Cause I want to speak, um, I'm doing a, some really cool stuff with a, with a woman who's a client of mine. Uh, and we're speaking on, on the topic of, of, we call it create your existence on how you 
how the internal portion of you, you know, correlates with the, what people get externally. And I'm like the external guy and she's the internal woman and uh, we're doing it um, together. And it's created this, like I'm getting emails, like people asking me to do stuff together. We're doing a, um, how to come across on, on these meetings, these virtual meetings like zoom and stuff like that uh, better. And I'm getting asked to do that all the time. So I'm giving a talk on that tonight at six something. So I, Oh, that's what you're doing later. I'm doing that later. I'm doing that later. Um, and I'm doing another one. So I have two later. I forgot. I'm not just one. I have two. And I also have a zoom for the headshot crew, which is we, we zoom every day. Um, well, four days a week, Monday, Tuesdays, Wednesdays, Thursdays, and Fridays, and sometimes Mondays. So I have that and that starts at four. Um, so it's, it's busy. Um, but yeah, my, my goals are basically to take, um, what it is that I do and, and back to people. It's always for me, I think the basis of it, my secret sauce is looking at somebody and figuring out their face so that I can get the best image out of them, but then actually getting them to create expressions and feel more comfortable in front of the camera than having not been there before. So right. that's my my thing is that like I can take anybody, I walk down the street and I'm like, Oh, I know what to do with that face. I do this, I do that. I do that. And just bring out their best through this physiognomy portion of, of the work that I'm doing. So I'm pushing more of that envelope toward the public rather than photographers. Cause most of these, this stuff that I teach is for photographers and for photographers to understand what I'm doing now at this stage in my career, they probably would have had to go through a lot of the stages that I went through previously and um, to get to, to the point where like I started working with, you know, on this, it just feels like a different plane where I'm, cause I used to just bring my clients into the studio and do a routine. It was all repetitive and now it's totally different. And now it's a lot based on um, their behavior and how they're, reacting and what their face does before they get in front of the camera for me to, you know, adjust it during, during the shoot. And it was interesting to just watch two people get photographed and, and be coaching that as well. Cause I get so much insight into my own work when I see what's, what's going on in the, in the behavior of the human. The thing the most coolest thing is that the camera messes everybody up. It like unbelievable. It's like so powerful. It just immediately people just, change and it's like mesmerizing and they get when some people get weird and some people you just try too hard everybody's different but the camera gives the photographer power um a lot of power so when i'm wielding that sucker i like i love it but i want to be able to correlate that into how people can you know basically not a lot of what am i trying to say a lot of my stuff that i've been doing has been directed at photographers and getting them better which i love but I want to direct it at people. And, and I mean, the most hits that I ever got on YouTube was the, my videos that were geared towards people, not photographers. You know, it was like, Hey, here's what you do with your jawline. That got 4 million views or five. I don't know how many it has now. Oh, here's what? the squinching video, yeah. you know, anyway, I'm going on and on, but. Well, you know. I, that was a, that, that was a lot. I'm trying to, I'm, I'm trying to track. I, I want to get to what, what drives you the most, not just as a businessman, not just as a photographer, but also as a person? 
you know, all, all, all this stuff considered, like what, what pushes you the most? What are you most motivated by? I, I think it goes back to, in my life, it's always gone back to being successful, whatever it is you want to pull off. So my definition what's of success, success? Is, well, I think it's making a plan and pulling it off. No matter what it is. So whatever the plan is, the plan could be to walk across the room. If I do that, I'm successful. There we go. I walked across the room. Perfect. Phenomenal. You're motivated by making a goal and accomplishing that goal. Yeah, that's, it drives me. Yeah. 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 And it's always been. And, and the, the thing about it that's interesting is that I, it took me a while to, to understand that I was not, you know, that competitive by nature uh, with other people. What I am is I'm competitive with myself. Uh, and I'm because I, I when I was training for the Olympics, I was like, these guys that I'm sailing against are so good and they're shellacking me and they're just beating me up all over the place, left, right and center. And when I realized was, yeah, they were really good, but I kept getting better and I kept getting closer to them. Yeah. And then when it got to the to game time where I was up to speed with them and I'm neck and neck with them and all of a sudden I'm falling apart with nerves because the world champions right now, right behind me coming down my tail, it wasn't, it didn't have anything to do with him. <laughs> it right. was nothing to do with him. Right. It was me the whole time. Yeah. So all the, you, once you, take that responsibility on it's a huge uh weight off your shoulders or weight on your shoulders however you want to look at it but that's why when photographers get nasty with me about like well this guy down the street did this and this guy copied this and this guy's doing that and that guy's doing this and that person slashed their rates and blah 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 and this person took my clients all of that is like total crap because you're focused on them when it's really you it's got nothing to do with them. Like if you were such a badass, you would never, they wouldn't be, they wouldn't even be able to see you and like, let alone get near you. You know, you think that's one um, of the secrets of the people that are successful, including yourself is that you don't concern yourself with others like that. Not at all. Not at all. And if somebody does kick my ass, I'm like, what did I do wrong? What am I doing? What, what do I have to do? What not necessarily heck? what did they do right, but what am I not doing right? Exactly. Well, Mark Cuban said this, and I don't know how exactly it says. He said, he said, I just try and figure out what I would need to do to kick my own ass, and I do that. <laughs> I was like, that's good. I like that one. That's fantastic. I like that. I mean, that's really all it is. Like, what's somebody going to do? Like, what are you going to do? Like, you know, how much are you invested in what you're doing? Like, are you committed like a hundred percent? Are you not, you know, this, this, this notion of being, you know, everybody says, Oh, I'm 110% committed. Well, let me see it. Cause that's why I do the willpower stuff. It's like you can be, you could say you're committed, but like I never fasted before for a very long time. I mean, I fast all the time when I was losing weight for the boat. I sail. I was training for a world championship. I needed to lose. I was 230. I needed to be 185 by, I was 230 on January 1st. I needed to be 185 by July 10th of that year. It was, I was 45 and I was 230 at New Year's. And I was like, okay, by July 10th, I'm going to weigh 185. And I did it. And I went out and got second at the world championship. I couldn't have done that if 
I didn't have that goal set for me. I had to go do it. I don't know where my point was because now I lost it with that story. What was I talking about? Well, we're, I'm, we're talking about what drives you, really. And I'm that was driving me. You're anyway. really self. You're oh. really self motivated. You know what it was? You, the, it was the willpower thing. Hold on, because this is this is good. So to get to lose all that weight, I started intermittent fasting, oh. and um, that's what I've been doing lately. So I'll fast for like 20 hours a day, no problem. I'll eat, you know, at six at night or whatever, six to eight, and then I won't eat again until like four or five or six in the afternoon, whatever. I'll eat, I'll eat like when I'm really going for it. Well, I never did it more than 20 hours or I think 29 hours was the most I ever did, which was crazy. And then one day I was like, I, I was like, I'm not that hungry. I'm going to go to bed. And I woke up and I, and I ended up doing like a more, I guess a 48 hour fast. And then my buddy was like, oh, I'm fasting. I'm going to do a 72 hour. And I was like, 72 hours. He goes, yeah. I said, but you started at 11 at night. What if you just go to bed and wake up in the morning and be like 84 hours? He goes, oh yeah, I'm going to do 84 hours. I was like, I'll do it with you. I never <laughs> fasted for that long. I was like, I'm doing it as a willpower thing. It was hard. I mean, it was hard. It was not, yeah. but I did it. I did it. We did 84 hours. I don't know what that does for you, but I did it. <laughs> it's supposed to be good for you. I don't know. I just, that's the thing. Like people just, just, they say they can't do something and they just don't have the willpower to do it. Willpower is a tough thing. That's the thing that I'm, I'm working on in myself. So anytime where I, um, notice something where I'm, I'm pushing against doing it. Like for instance, I always work out in the morning. I don't like working out like midday usually. Uh, Once it becomes nighttime, I never work out at night. So my wife wanted a bike. So she got this bike and we put it in the studio. So it's a Peloton, right? So, mm-hmm. and I was in here the other night and I was like, I don't ever work out at night. I was like, screw it. I'm going to do it. I'm just going to do it because I don't ever do it. And I say, I won't do it. And I don't do it. I'm going to do it. And I got on the bike and I ran for a half hour. Then I did my 50 reps abs and I did my 15 minutes of stretching and I did it at night, which I never do. And that's the kind of, but you did it by I'm an act of will. Yeah, I'm doing that stuff. That's my thing. Is, That's is, what I'm is the will like a muscle? Right is the will like a muscle in that it gets stronger if you activate it and exercise it? I don't know. How do you feel about your will? Like, do you have things that you just know you're not going to get yourself to do or you can push through it? Like, how do you get to that point where you're just like, wait a minute, I'm not going to, no, that's not my thing. I'm not going to do that. You know, it's like the 30 days of non-drinking. I'm a big drinker. COVID happened and I was drinking beers every night. Every, I was like getting lit up like you wouldn't believe. And then I'm like, wait a minute, hold on. I got my blood checked and there was some liver in my doctor's like, are you drinking a lot right now? I was like, it's COVID. I'm drinking, I'm hammered every night. Of course I'm drinking I like, am. Yeah. And then I was like, okay, I got this blood thing that didn't look good in my liver or something. I was like, that's a sign. Let's do willpower. Let's, let's quit drinking for 30 days. No problem. I did it. It's, it's like to be able to do that as a human being is very powerful, I think. So that's, but I also put it out there for the accountability so people know I'm doing it. So if I screwed up, I'm, I'm accountable. I don't, that, that's the thing. You have to find something that's more powerful than mm-hmm. the thing that you want. So the beer isn't as powerful as people thinking I didn't accomplish my 30 days of non-drinking for me. You care about, you cared about that more than you cared about drinking the beer. Exactly. That's what, that's what does it. Yeah. 
tell me this. I had this written down and I want to know this is a pivot, but I want to know this. What's the best thing that's ever happened to you in this industry? Oh, Boise. Um, you're going to make me cry or something. Uh, I think there's two things that there's like a few things that come to mind. The best one. I mean, what popped into my brain was, you know, Scott Kelby inviting me to speak on the Google stage was my first talk. And that talk, I'm so nervous. And I was like, and that opened up this whole thing, but that stemmed from the F stop. I guess it would be teaching, teaching photographers. I mean, is really the best thing that happened to me because I was just in my studio, mind my own business. I knew there were photographers that taught people other things, but I didn't think I would ever be one of them. So it would definitely have to be teaching if you, if you go all else, because the speaking came, I was going to say my relationship with Westcott when the, you know, I sat down with them and we decided to make some lights that was freaking unbelievable. Then I was also thinking about becoming an explorer like from Canon, which means so much to me. Um, you know, those things, but that all stemmed from the F stoppers walking in my door and saying, Hey, you're really good at headshots. You need to teach this. And that was, it was on those guys. So I think that it would have to be the F stoppers walking in my door. What's the emotion come from? It changed my life. Um, so I talk about this a lot. Um, you guys, if you're, I was, I had one source of income for a really long time and it was getting people in front of my camera and that was it. There was no, I had to, I had to have a human in front of my camera, press the button to get paid. Mm -hmm. And when I started leveraging my knowledge through the teaching, through the tutorials, through the subscription on headshot crew, through all these things, um, it changed the need for me to have somebody in front of my camera, which allowed me freedom. Uh, I mean, I always, when I'm coaching on the crew, I'm always talking about everybody trying to figure out, uh, different sources of income for themselves right. so that they don't have to be present to do the work, to get paid. So anything that you can do, and I'm always trying to think of more, you know, it's like, and, and where can you be more, where, what can, what do you have to give? So my gift is headshot photography. Like I could teach anybody in the world how to take a headshot. And if they listen to me and do it and put a portfolio together with the, this work, they will get work off of it. And if they do it well, I'll give them work. I mean, I've been doling out jobs left, right, and center during COVID to photographers all over the world. Yeah. I started a headshot photography booking agency and we're getting referrals in like crazy. And I'm, I last night, this morning I woke up, I sent, no, it was the middle of the night and I emailed this guy in, in the UK and I was like, it's five hours ahead. He's not going to get it. And the guy must've been, I don't know what happened. He emailed me back so excited. I gave him a job and it was because we're working with global companies now and this guy's on the headshot crew and I could give him one because and you can do I it. coached him up to this level where I can trust him to go out there and get it done. And I get to do that. So having that, you know, is, is pretty cool. So we'll see where it goes because it's now it's starting to, I'm starting to understand that this is not a small thing. This is global. Um, and these companies have a need for, you know, headshots and they have a need for consistency across their brand for headshots. And if we can make people look better, 
and I've created this recipe and somebody can do the recipe. I could teach you the recipe, just do it. And then, you know, and some people are like, I'm not going to shoot like Peter Hurley. I'm like, don't shoot like me, but I can't give you a job. Like, even if you could shoot like me and then go shoot however, any other way you want, that's fine. And then people are like, well, do you like all these people copying your work? I was like, it's kind of flattering, isn't it? I'm all right. I'm doing fine. It's okay. What if you flip, what if you flip that question? What's one of the worst or the hardest things that's happened? Um, I would say I've been pretty damn fortunate uh, to be able to do this. I think the worst things that happen or that have happened are somehow the best things. I mean, most of it's with bad shoots and losing clients. Like I mm. shot for a really big client. I had a bad shoot and it didn't go well. They didn't use the pictures and then they stopped using me. So that, those are like the bad that things. Kind of that kind of stinks, happen. right? Yeah, it's, it's tough. Tell me, I was wondering that then with, cause you know, I go to your blog, your website and you see some, I see plenty of faces that I recognize who, and I've asked this to different people that are in a position to interact with celebrities in particular. Who's the best person you've ever worked with that people, that people would know? Yeah. Again, Who stands out and you're like, that, that is a classy person. That, they are fantastic. Marcus Samuelson is really cool. Uh, I don't know that people know him, but he's one of the world's most famous chefs. Um, he was just, all, just spending the day with him was amazing. He is a Michelin star chef. I got to shoot all these chefs. Uh, he was amazing. Um, I always forget all the celebrities that I shot. I mean, I shot Mikhail Baryshnikov and he was really cool. It's, sometimes it's me that gets super excited. And then it's also, as a photographer, you're trying to figure out the relationship between you and that person. Like you're just spending some time with them and maybe they're right. cool. Maybe they're not. Mikhail Baryshnikov was like a photographer too. And then after the shoot, like showed me all his books and stuff and was oh. like, he gave me like 10 minutes shooting and then he's like, here, stay there. Don't, don't come down, come into my office. And I go in there and he's like, look at this. And he showed me all these books and I spent 10 minutes with him. I was like, yeah. And I was nervous as hell shooting him. He's like, he's like, I was like, you spent like, you only gave me like 10 minutes out there. We're looking at your books for like, he's like, you got the shot. Come on. Um, he was super cool. Um, but I'm trying to think of, you know, bigger names, like over the course of my career, there's been stories. Like I, I was shooting Ariana Grande and she was 12. So she wasn't Ariana Grande. Yeah. I mean, she was Ariana Grande at 12. Wow. And I said, uh, she's like, what did I say? I said, what, how are you, I mean, what do you think? You think you're going to do well in this singing thing that you're trying to do? And she goes, I'm going to be a superstar. Just like that. And I was like, I was like, oh, good. I like it. And her mom you, was like, did you think to yourself, good. maybe, maybe she will be with that kind of an attitude, right? I was, I mean, I remember yeah. it like, like most kids saying something to me, like a 12 year old comes in and I shoot them and the, you know, they say something, you know, I probably wouldn't remember what most say. I remembered that. So, you know, mm -hmm. even though, you know, I, I, obviously when everything happened or I was like, Oh my gosh, I shot her when she was 12. Mm -hmm. But I remembered that. Um, and I think it was a good lesson for me. She knew like, like yeah. it's just so much of what we do is based on, on our belief in ourselves. Now and she had it. 
And her mom was like, she's really good. She is really good. She was like this. It was like she, her mom heard her. And I was like, wow. And her mom's like, well, she's really good. Like, <laughs> I was like, I don't doubt it. <laughs> I'm not doubting it. I mean, that was cool. Like to have that experience um, was really cool. Now looking back at it. And then, um, you know, I think that I've, at least this is my belief that success makes people more of what they are. So if they're already an asshole and they become successful, they just become a major freaking ass. Like they're like 10 times, like to the 10th power asshole. Can I swear on this or are you going to beep those? I don't think that word gets beeped. That's like okay. a PG word. Okay, fine. I'm just checking. Um, but if you're really nice and you become successful, it's like it's just 10 power nice. Like it's like unbelievable. It's so cool. So, so when you I get think success those, brings out who we really are more? More of what you are, yeah. Yeah, so if you're really nice and you become successful, you're really freaking nice. It's really cool. So when, when you're photographing somebody, you just don't know. Like, I don't know. I'm just, I just got the job, and then I go. And as photographers, we're all trying to connect with our subjects anyway. Yep. So connecting with what... You know, I get, I do get an adrenaline rush when I'm shooting a celebrity just because they're well known. Um, I was an actor. I always wanted to be, you know, right. in the limelight and try and get my career going like that. So it was like a, it's a big deal for me to to photography opens a lot of doors for you in a lot of different ways. Like, and it's really cool. Um, but the, you know, I want to have this rapport with my subject, no matter who they are, right? And I find myself act behaving a little differently because I'm like a little starstruck sometimes. And I don't want to be like that. I got to shoot the cast and crew of lost and I never watched oh, the show. So I was like, I don't want to watch it. I don't want to get like, you hadn't like, watched the show. No, I hadn't watched it. Okay. So yeah, other people, other photographers were like, you gotta be kidding. You got that. And it was the best job I ever had. I loved it. It was still amazing. And now it's like, I was like, all right, it's time for another one of those. This was 10 years ago. Let's go. Let's get, you know, let's bring it on. <laughs> I shoot for this foundation, the Vilcek Foundation, and they're just amazing. And I got to do some really, I mean, they're my oldest client. I think I've been shooting for them since 2001, 2002, maybe. Mm. Probably 2002, I think. Maybe 2001. Might have been, two, no, probably 2002. Anyway, it's been that long. And they're great. And they gave me some of the, they gave me the coolest jobs I've ever shot. So, um, now if you anyway, flip that, that, if you flip that, no names, no names, but if you flip yeah. best to worst, is there an individual that comes to mind where you just think that person was a nightmare? The, the person that, that the success has amplified. Oh, her. yeah. Oh, yeah. I got him. Yeah. Someone comes to mind. Oh yeah. Now oh, yeah. when when you Hands interacted down. with that person, what was, was the experience like? Well, it was like partially how do, you, how do you handle it? I had to backpedal a lot. Um it was partially my fault. It was partially the scenario. And I don't think that they had all the knowledge they should have had. So basically what happened was, and I won't name who it was, but, and they tried to be nice with me and connect with me and it just, it fell apart. But, um, and I'm, I want what I want. And I was getting paid a ton of money and I had to get this shot. What happened was 
a company was doing a commercial and they had to do a print advertising to go along with the website and, and all the print stuff along with the commercial. Mm -hmm. So they didn't want to pay the celebrity for two days of work. They wanted to pay the celebrity for one day of work. So they asked me and anybody listening, never do it. Never say yes to this. This is not something you should say yes to. <laughs> Although with the price tag, I had to. Well, the money, the money will. makes it. Yeah, I yeah. had to. I had to. I had no choice. And it was a friend of mine that got me the job. So I was like, and he was the director of the commercial and I was the still photographer. So we were working together and I, and I trusted him and we, we, I pulled it off. It worked out fine, but he, they basically asked me to shoot stills for the campaign for the product in between takes of the video, which the talent usually don't like, like they're like, mm -hmm. They're like, I'm doing this commercial. Like, I don't right. need you with a camera in my face right. after I finish my lines. Right. Cut that out. Right. Meanwhile, I had to relight them and do all this stuff to make it all work. And I don't think that the, uh, there was all these stipulations and I don't think they got the memo that I was getting that I, it was the picture. They, I think they, they, I think they just thought it was behind the scenes pictures. So they're like, right. what are you doing? They didn't know it, no it was important for the campaign. Get out of here. Right. Right. They didn't know that. But for me, I was like, and I couldn't really say anything. It's, it's difficult. It's like when you have somebody of power or, or a person that's on a set, that's, you know, the person, um, you know, you kind of have to, walk a fine line of what you can say and what you can do. And I right. ended up just going, okay, I got to get this job done best I can with what I've got. But I learned from it. I, I learned a lot from it. So we've talked a lot about success, what that looks like and goals. And for you to have success for you is to, to have a goal and then achieve that goal. You have any uh, open-ended big ones right now? Oh yeah. Yeah. Um, but then that would, if I lay them on you, then that would be throwing accountability out. <laughs> well, in, yes, that's, that's part of the connecting well, piece. I'm trying to make it. it. Do you have one? I have them all. I gotta, yeah, I gotta, all right, I'll give you one. I'll, I'll throw it out here. My, my big goal, which has been a goal for a while, and I've been second in the world championship twice. I want to be a laser master world champion. That's a goal of mine. So I'm physically getting ripped up and in shape. I, I got to get boat shape. So I added a bunch of months. Anyway, this is why all the working out why I do it. I do it because I want to get in this boat and kick butt. So laser I trained for the Olympics. What? Laser master? Laser master. So what happened was I trained for the Olympics when I was 23. I started training for the Olympics for 96. I missed the U.S. team in 96. Fell into a modeling career. Came to New York for 96. 96, I was like traveling around Europe modeling. 97, 98, 99, I was in New York doing the model actor bartender thing. And in 99, I had a guy say to me, why aren't you training for the 2000 Olympics? Aren't you, aren't you good enough? Like, what are you doing? And I was like, I'm bartending till 4am. I live in a flip, fifth floor walk up. I should, why I do have this talent. Why don't I do it? I was like, I don't know why I'm not doing it. I should do it. 
And luckily, I, I convinced myself in one evening that I should go train for the Olympics. So I went back and, and everybody's like, you can't do it. It's, it's like a year to the Olympic trials. Like you only have a year of training. There's no way you're going to make it. And I ended up making the U.S. team. And uh, I was winning the Olympic trials at the beginning. But only one guy goes. Uh, five guys make the team. One guy makes the Olympic team. So the U.S. sailing team and the U.S. Olympic team are two different things. But once mm. you win the Olympic trials, you go to the Olympics. But five guys make the U.S. team. And that was one of my goals. I wanted to be on the U.S. team. I didn't feel like I, I was not peaking. I hadn't peaked yet. I was doing really well. Um, but I also held myself back. So it's that self-doubt, you know, that imposter mm -hmm. syndrome. Well, that guy's better than me. Why should I go to the Olympics? This guy's much better than me. That's the way I felt. This guy's going to represent the country better than me. And then the guy that went got his ass kicked. So I was like, I could have been that guy. Yeah. I would have, at least I would have gone to the Olympics. I, I could have, right. you know, I mean, I might've done is worse. Who knows? But anyway, I made the U S team. I quit sailing. I gained weight. I picked up a camera. I got out of shape. I pinched a nerve in my neck. I sailed a little here and there. I, I just kind of dropped it. And once you train for the Olympics at that level to get back into the sport that you love and that you used to be one of the best in the world, I was ranked 17th in, in the world at my peak. You just don't do it because you don't want the local yokel guy beating you because you haven't trained. So you just don't even get in. Mm -hmm. So until you become 30 at 35, you can get into what's called an apprentice master but the real guys, a lot of people don't get back till they're 45. So I was turning 45 and I told this story already. I was 230 pounds, had to weigh 185 to get back in the boat. I did. And I went and got second in the world that year. So the guy who beat me is Australian. He's won the world championship like at least 16 times, 16 years in a row or something ridiculous like that. I don't know. No, like he's lost. He lost in the Netherlands last year and he got second or third. I think he got second. He's been second a couple times. Anyway, um, nobody ever beats this guy. I was in Croatia a couple years ago and I, it was me and him going in, into the last race and it was who beat who. And I ended up going the wrong way and he beat me. So I got second uh. again and it was frustrating. So I've been second twice. I've also been fifth and sixth I mean, I, I was like falling apart. So I really wanted to win. So I went down to Australia to try and win um, right before COVID hit. And I, they canceled it and I was down there and I had to come yep. back during all that. Anyway, so my goal is obviously going to be, I need to win this Laser Master World Championship. I'm 50 now. I'm in the group is from 45 to 55. So I'm in it for a little bit. And these younger guys are starting to come in these 45 year olds. I was like, Oh yeah. See you, you 45 year olds. That's right. I got, I got work to do. So who but knows? You want to beat this guy. I want it, but he's older than me. So he's only going to be in, he might not be, he might've aged out by the time the next world championship. So if I win and he's not there, I'm not going to, I'm still going to have to wait till I'm 55 to sail against him again. To beat him, yeah. To beat him. I but like I'll it. take a world championship. And I'm going to leverage the crap out of that because I think, <laughs> well, I mean, second in the world, you really can't say anything. World champion, you know, my thing is that, you know, I, I try to push everybody to be more, do more, get yeah. more of what they want. I want the world championship so badly that – um that if I get it, I'm going to utilize it the best I can to make people aware of how you, how to 
set your goals properly to get what you want and do it. I love how you walk the walk, man. You walk it, you do it. Yeah. And if I'm not, I'm not putting it out there. Like uh, everybody, everybody listening to this, we all have ups and downs. I mean, I'm not, some days I'm just not walking the walk. It's just the way it goes. You get it. You know, there is two sides of the bed that you wake up on. You know, sometimes you just get up on the wrong side. You don't know why. And you're just like, shit, this day is going to be a piece. Sometimes I know why. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. But sometimes you don't, you just, you just, you just wake up and you're just like, yep. Just feel like a shitty day today. I'm not, yep. and then you don't get anything done, and then you wonder why. And uh, I always, I know that's there, and I understand that everybody goes through it. The thing that I try to keep my brain attached to is that you you wouldn't know a bad day without a good one. You know, you yeah. can't have a good day without a bad day. Like you have to have that happen for you. Comparison, know. right? How the hell would you know? You wouldn't know. So I, I think it's, it's, there's a law. I mean, I study these laws and stuff. There's a law of rhythm. So, you know, tied in, tied out, stuff up and down, you know, all that stuff. So I try to, you know, handle the down times the best you can, right? So, and it could be created by something like a pandemic, yeah. <laughs> whatever, you yeah. know, or it could be, you know, just, you know, life going on, you know, things things are happening. That's what we, 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 we are on this planet revolving around the sun and stuff's going on. You know, I appreciate you putting it out there though. Let me, let me ask you this last thing. Where, how do I, cause I want to, now I want to follow you doing this, right? Yeah. I want to see if you can win a world championship, but I don't know any, I mean, I know it's sailing. I get that piece, Yeah. but how do I, how do I follow you doing that? I mean, I usually post on my Instagram. My Instagram is okay. really like my, my, but I, I want to try and figure out what I'm doing with it because I'm like, I'm like randomly posting and I, sometimes I get more serious about it. But I mean, that's really the place where I, where I, that's the platform that works for photographers. It works for me right, right. now. That's, that's kind of like where it's all going. So I do, uh, you know, do most of my stuff there. And what's your so Instagram you handle? Peter underscore Hurley. Okay. That's where we're going to, that's where we're going to follow along and watch you win. You put it out there. I mean, it's now it's out there. Now you got to do it. I got to do it. And, and the thing is, is that I, I, I got sixth in the last one that happened and I had hurt my wrist arm wrestling a photographer at ClickCon in Chicago. And I felt like I was, I was hammered. We were out one night and I was, I was, uh, and Roberto Valenzuela was right behind me. Um, and he was arm wrestling Tom Munoz. I don't know if you guys know. These I know people. all those guys. Oh yeah. my gosh. So Tom's. Why would Roberto, Chicago. why would Roberto wrestle, arm wrestle Tom? Yeah, I have no idea. I don't know. <laughs> and I just met Tom, really nice guy. But I just yeah, met him. Tom's and I was a truck and Roberto's and not going to beat Tom he, in arm wrestling. Oh, no way. No way. Not at all. And neither would I, I wouldn't have, that was just the dumbest thing. I mean, he had, anyway, in high school, I have really long arms. So I'm like, all right, Tom's all jacked up. And I'm like, but I have really long arms. I'm going to go for it. And I just am not one to give up. I should have just given up the minute that he started. You arm wrestled Tom Munoz too? Yeah. Well, Roberto lost. And I went, come over. I said, Tom, let's go. I got you, Tom. uh, Yeah. Tom just went boom and just took my arm right down and I held on the whole time. And then my wrist snapped at the end. 
So it didn't. You're lucky he didn't break it, man. Well, yeah, it was like a severe sprain. Anyway, I sailed the world championship with that and got sixth. So I was like, all right. I was like, all right, now that, but now my wrist is back. I'm working out. Everything's fine. You know, Tom, Tom's a great guy. He didn't mean to do it. He's awesome. Well, no, of course he didn't mean to do it, but you know, between now and the world championships, stay away from arm wrestling. wrestling. You got to do this. You got to make this happen. You got a lot of people. No, but I kind of, I kind of, I really, you know what it did for me? I realized I'm 50 now. I can't do things like that. I can't arm wrestle. I can't no. do dumb drunk stuff late at no. night. It's certainly not with Tom Lingus. So, yeah. Oh, you don't want to get in that guy. Is, have you seen that guy? I don't know what the heck. He's that a beast. Worked out. Talk about he's, working out. He's a big a cat. Shape. His brother's a big cat, too. I wouldn't yeah. arm wrestle either one of those guys. No. And I'm All never right. going to well, wrestle anybody ever again. No. Like it really messed no, up not, my wrist for an entire year. Not if you year. want to win it's a world a, championship, man. You got to you got to keep 100%. yourself tip top shape. Hey, yeah. thanks for doing this. Thanks for having me. You're so gracious. I, love it. I appreciate it. I love it. I feel like I motor mouthed it again. I, no, I don't mind. I like it when my guests talk. And I don't have to do as much. All right, well, that's cool. I'll take it. It's good. I hope everybody enjoyed it. <laughs> Till next time, my brother. That's awesome. Thanks, man. Thank you. 